I don't know if I've told you that story, but that's one of the funniest <clears throat> stories. Is like I was asking this girl to prom junior year. It was my first, you know, first time asking a girl to prom. So I'm thinking all of these ways to like how I can ask this girl. And she played lacrosse. So my bright idea was to like dress up, get flowers, and like pull up right as she's leaving practice because she's not expecting me to be there. Right? <laughs> so I see her walking out. She's in the parking lot. I skirt up in my car. Skirt up like right in front of her. <laughs> I'm so excited that I open the door and I don't put the car in park. <laughs> so I have to get back in and put it in park. Totally lost whatever not, cool not points you had. At all. Oh, that's hilarious. But see, the, the soul has no identity. The ego does, right? The soul has gifts. And I had stumbled into my gift and got to do it, which is a real blessing. If you can find passion and bring it into your profession, it's not work anymore. You know what I'm saying? There's, so, there's purpose. You want passion in your life, find purpose in what you do. Be mindful. I don't care what it is. You know, find purpose in it, and it becomes a calling. Roots was an artist, and nobody saw him. Like, did you hear that? Nobody saw him. All they saw was, was the outside. They, they, they just saw the broken branch. They didn't see the beauty inside, which is the good stuff in every single one of us. And when I find out that you've got a story, like you've been through some stuff, the world might look less at you. In my book, it's like, no, my respect goes way up when I know you've been through some stuff. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Peace Podcast. My, you like time. that? My yeah, faithful co-host, Cole. And... Um, you know, I dig this podcast because we can, we have fun, we laugh, but we can go deep sometimes, you know, and so... Most of the time, 90%. 90%, <laughs> even if we're trying not to. So um, it's the holiday season and everybody's making plans. Everybody's, you know, putting up their decorations and getting their Christmas shopping done, family. But yet everybody knows those that deal with mental illness, and that can be on a severe scale all the way to, I just kind of get blue sometimes. It, it tends to be exaggerated during the holidays. Mm. And, you know, there's obvious reasons why, but um, it's important to, to remember that. And the, everybody's got things going on in their head that we don't get to see. Yeah. Everybody we run into today, because, I mean, we just know our own minds. But so this is one of those illnesses, disorders, whatever you want to call it, disease um, that is invisible much of the time and then all of a sudden we have a loved one that begins to withdraw yeah. isolate about depression That's depression but then absolutely today will be about depression that tends to you know skyrocket during the holidays um <clears throat> thoughts on why i think um <clears throat> there's a lot of pressure right like not to get deep in like QAnon here but society and capitalism puts so much pressure on this time of the year right? Shopping, you got to buy gifts for everyone. Maybe you're dating someone new and you have to impress their family, right? You don't want to pull up to Christmas without presents for everyone. You got to buy your family presents. There's all this like, you know, financial stress that everyone deals with, you know? Imagine being a, a father with, you know, young kids and you want to make Christmas special, but you're, you have to pay bills and it's hard to make ends meet. You know, there's all of this all of a sudden pressure. 
Um, but then there's also the social pressure, right? There's a lot of people that might not have good relationships with their families um, or extended family or they have, you know, there's always family drama. And now you're required to participate in all of this like social activity. So I think a lot of people get really anxious about all of that. Um, you know, anxiety a lot of the times leads to isolation. Isolation leads to the thoughts in the head. Um, and I mean, we experience it. You know, I think this time of year, usually I get depressed seasonally. You, you know, do. Winter is usually a t more of a downtime. As the temperature me. goes up, you tend to. And as the temperature goes down, you <laughs> tend to. Right? Right? I'm like a reptile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bear. So, <laughs> but, okay, so let's, let's talk about where we're going to go today. So um, mm -hmm. we want to talk about not just depression, but suicide. You know, I mean, it's, it's become such a thing, especially among young people. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that is, um, you know, we're going to speak from experience. We come by it honest and we try to just, we just want to help people today. But then we also want to talk about, um, speak to, as we talk about that, I want to encourage families that have loved ones. It doesn't have to be kids. It could be a brother or sister. It could be a parent. But I get a lot of calls because of the, the work that I do that, um, man, we're struggling with our son. We don't know what to do about it. I mean, yesterday I had one. Yeah. Two yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Three. Count last night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm just hanging out or taking a call. So I get with a couple yesterday virtually, and that's the whole thing. It's our son's dot, 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 dot. And, and it's such a, a scary thing for a parent. Um, there's shame involved, <laughs> not yeah. just for the one going through it. And, but for the family, nobody wants to talk about this thing. Yeah, and I, just to speak to that, it's like I feel like at this point in time, suicide is such a label that we're used to. And you know? never were back in our day. Right? In my generation, I am very used to suicide, which is a horrible thing. But it is an epidemic. How, many, how many friends? I can't even count on my two hands anymore. But I mean, think about that. I two mean, more, two more happened this year, just this year, you so know, sad. and it's awful. But what I don't hear people talking about is how to fix it, like in depth yeah. action plans for it. Yeah. You know, with like we always talk about the stats, more and more people are committing suicide every year, you know, opioid, like overdosing, mental health issues, but we're not talking about what to do about that if you're experiencing it other than like reach out to someone or it's clinical you have an expert that's going to come on a panel or do a show or do an interview and talk about the clinical side of suicide which is statistics and yeah. da, 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 and maybe give you advice like call the suicide helpline you yeah. know what I'm saying? And all of that is awesome it's all great resources but as far as like now nah, let's talk about from our experience what it feels like the voice in the head strategies. I mean, we, we do want to give some advice today from, yeah. from a couple, we've studied a lot of it, but we've lived through it, um, as a fam. And then, you know, kind of, um, how do you help? Maybe what advice do you give? What advice do you yeah. not give? Right. Yeah. And I want to talk about like an aspect of it that people probably don't talk about that much because it's a tough, touchy subject. Um, but we're willing to talk about those things. Touch here, right? it. <laughs> poking it. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, with this younger generation, it's very common nowadays to use suicide as this power word 
to manipulate people. Yeah. And you experience this when you talk to families. Yesterday. And it's a really hard thing to deal with because like you say, it's a real threat. You can't take it lightly. Mm -mm. If your kid is speaking up about that, you have to act according, accordingly. You can't have to. ignore it. No. But there is a point with this young generation that we see all the time where it's like, if I want to initiate a reaction in my family or get things to go my way, or maybe I need more support, more attention, that it's word. a little bomb that you can drop that... It's such a powerful, scary word, okay? <clears throat> and so I'm talking to this couple yesterday, God bless them, going through it, glad they reached out. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't really know them. I met them years ago at an event I spoke at, and something touched them, and they started following. And so, you know, they have a thought, let's reach out to him. He might be able to help, which I, I, I'd love to. But that was kind of the scenario. We've got a, um, a kid, you know, let's, let's say 19, smart, talented, good kid, not getting in all kind of trouble. But all of a sudden, getting into this phase where starting to isolate, starting to withdraw, you know, and then think about it like this. <clears throat> and this isn't always conscious. I'm not banging away on the young generation. Some of this is psychology. Yeah, it's absolutely. deep. It's not like, I think I'll employ my strategy right now <laughs> to get you to back the freak off. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's kind of like that. But if I have, if you ever known somebody or been somebody that has minefield all around them okay you've got ieds buried all around me and if you step into my personal space and start okay. touching an issue i don't want to touch you'll step on a landmine right and so we have defense mechanisms in place all of us have them but this generation knowingly or unknowingly has figured out this is a way to get people to back off if I yeah. want them to. And we're already talking about an isolating illness. And so that was what they shared with me was <clears throat> that, you know, if we challenge them, because, I mean, he doesn't want work. He's living at home. That's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that Too for a time. Yep, yep. But, um, and not just kind of closed off, but I don't want to do anything. He's going to be a, um, uh, a TikTok influencer. You know, which a lot of kids are like, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to stay on this thing all day. Mm -hmm. And that keeps us in our head as we watch everybody else's happy, shiny lives. Funny, funny, funny. And you're not feeling that way. Sure. But it was like, if we do get too close, first it's I'll blow up and I'll cuss you out. And, and I'll, that's, that's a, my, my first strategy is, is to back you off. And then you keep coming and it's like, you know, keep pushing me or kick me out of the house. I'll just kill myself. And now all of a sudden... And now what does a parent do with that? And we talk, and God bless these people. Um, you know, I hope they're, this is for families like that. And this is a great family, love their son, trying things, reaching out to somebody, doing all the right things, but they're scared because if they do threaten self-harm, is it, is it the boy crying wolf? Yeah. Or is it serious this time? Well, there's such a fine line, which you're getting at so is true. Uh, support. <clears throat> and empathy and the other side of that is enabling right so you mentioned boy who cried wolf right it's hard to get to the point where it's like does he really feel this way or is are, are things too hard right now and this is the route that he's taking so that maybe we feel more compassion and are more willing to help in ways that we usually wouldn't. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't <clears throat> mention this, he's just a kid living at home that's trying to be a TikTok influencer 
that his parents don't feel like he's working towards success. Yeah. Right? But if you add this label and it becomes a mental health issue, and I'm not, I've been here. Oh, yeah. Right? We've both been here. You know, I've been in a state where life was too crippling for me to do anything. I couldn't take a call. Anything. Couldn't take a call because I couldn't talk. I couldn't reach out to jobs and and get interviews because my I felt too stupid and too lazy to no update thoughts in my the resume. Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I don't want to take a call or go to an interview because I'm too anxious. Right? So I've been there. But for parents that deal with this, I feel like that's the most complex part. How do we help this person without prolonging this issue and enabling them to feel like this is an option and usually it helps reset my life yeah you yeah. know we're dealing with when we talk about mental illness <laughs> um or healthy folks that are just stuck <laughs> you know i mean we're talking about thoughts <laughs> and thoughts are every everything starts with a thought okay nothing's ever happened that doesn't and the more I think about a thing, the more you can get yourself really stressed out right now if you choose to by dwelling on a scary thought and then starting to project into the future and imagine yeah. worst case scenarios. Now, if that becomes kind of, um, it's a mood and then it leads into, we have 50,000 unique thoughts today, <laughs> give or take. That's a lot. I mean, it's just the voice in the head that's the chatterbox. It's the feed running across CNN or Fox News. It's the heavy loop. And so, you know, whatever we think about every five minutes, okay, the brain is producing chemistry around that. Absolutely. Okay, so I have that fear thought, I have that dark thought, and the way our brains, it's, it's going to produce stress hormones, you know, adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol. And now all of a sudden that changes the feeling to, oh man, I am kind of getting scared, which kind of creates the loop about what if this happens, then this is going to happen, then that's going to happen, yeah. and I'm going to be homeless, and I'll be all alone. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that, but it can be just whatever we obsess on. Well, guess what? The brain is learning as it yeah. goes. This is important to you, so I'm going to bring you back to it. It must be, it must be important to you. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be healthy. The brain is not created by our creator to make us happy. Yeah. It's, it's a survival <clears throat> device. It's, it's to keep us alive, to procreate, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so pass on the genetic. And so this disease is one that's very isolating. So you're talking about a time where you get in that headspace, which is very chemical. Um, it can be very situational, but when, when the person is in the middle of it and they do choose to open up, which a lot don't, um, then it's like somebody is trying to convince them, no, you're, you're so smart, you're so talented, you've got the whole world in front of you, you can do whatever you want, just think positively, you know, go, go exercise, go out into the sun, yeah. you Drink know, go and... chamomile tea. Chamomile. That, was, that was always my favorite <laughs> some one. Some lavender. Can't sleep, have you tried eating a banana before what? You're like, or? dude, I would slept in months, <laughs> you think a banana? Yeah. Uh, and so it's like well-meaning people were scared, Okay, and, and when we get scared, we tend to get angry. And so, so all of a sudden, you've got a loved one. It's, it's maddening, it's scary, and so then the advice kicks in as I do this, do this, do this, not understanding that I can't even, you know, go to the, to the stinking UPS to drop off. It's overwhelming. I don't feel like doing that yeah. because, like, ugh. 
and then unknowingly we can push them farther away. Just pray more. And that one drives people crazy. If you're yeah. dealing with that one, just read your Bible. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I couldn't agree more with uh, the patterns and the habitualness of these thoughts. Like you're saying, it might start a little bit a day, right? A lot of it's chemical, but situationally, stress a lot of time is a trigger for me, right? And it, it, it plants the seeds of the dark thoughts, you know? Holy crap, like my job is getting hard. Am I not performing well? What if I get fired from this job? If I get fired, do I have a network set up to find another job? What if I don't find another job? How do I pay rent? I'm, not, I'm gonna lose my place, right? And so these, stop, these thoughts start piling up, like you said. And at first they're easy to ignore. Shut up, I have a job. I always figure it out, it's fine, right? Um, but then you lose your job. That's what happened to me. Okay, I was already stressing because I had a crazy boss that was telling me, I'm firing everyone if you don't hit your goals. Yeah, right? literally every week. And I'm saying, yeah, this was not a healthy situation that I was in. It's glad that I was able to get out of it. Right. Well, it's good, it's good that I was able to get out of it. But once that stress becomes a reality, those thoughts have more power, right? And they start becoming a pattern. I think about it more during the day now right? They're piling up. Like you said, your brain is, is, it's telling me that this is, this elicits a reaction, right? You get stressed. You produce cortisol. You do like your body is producing these intense things and it latches onto it, right? But I have a pretty philosophical question for you because it was something that I struggled with when, that's why I wanted to have this podcast is we've had all of these talks. Right? You were my mentor. Still do. Yeah, exactly. You were my mentor through a lot of my toughest times, and I was for you too. You know, we've been through this. But here's, a, here's something that I want to dig into. Is you say the brain is built for survival. But why would it continue to place these thoughts in your brain that the end goal of those thoughts is to kill yourself? Yeah. So what's the... So one, the brain doesn't have a brain, <laughs> right? We think of our brain as sitting back going, okay, one and then the other. The brain is an organ. It's just a incredibly sophisticated technology, right? And it's built to keep us alive. So if we have fear thoughts about what if this happens, what if this happens, doesn't it make sense that the, the organ that's in charge of all that would continue to remind you of that threat? Okay, that threat could kill us. Right. So I'm gonna keep to that. Keep you away I'm gonna from keep the that threat. on your headspace because watch out for that. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. And then that creates more fear, more fear, more fear. Now this is a trip. Think about this. If you've got a, let's say you've got a certain part of the day that is um, stress. Maybe it's like when I have a lunch break, um, I get into my head. You know what I'm saying? Work kind of keeps me, you know, out of my head. But then I get in my head, and then we get kind of tripped onto that loop and the body starts creating that chemistry, well, guess what? Cortisol, we're just picking cortisol, let's say adrenaline, yeah. it bathes the 50 trillion cells in your body, and guess what they do? They get addicted to that chemical. Yeah. So guess what the brain figures out? At noon, we produce stress hormones. Yeah. <laughs> now you're addicted. It's kind of like coffee. Got to get my coffee. If you're addicted to coffee, well, you're, you're, the cells in your body start craving cortisol. That's yeah. real. And so now... 
one leads to another, and then that leads back to the thing, right? The thought leads to the chemistry, the chemistry leads back to the thought, and then, like you said, it becomes a pattern. Okay, now I've established a habit of worry. You know, yeah. somebody said one time, worry is praying for bad things to happen. <laughs> That's yeah. deep. Yeah. So I, I just kind of had an epiphany because I feel like I answered my own question when you were talking, but it's, it all goes back to safety, right? So the reason we have anxiety and stress is to keep us alive. Yep. It's fight or flight. Like we're an animal. Totally. As Always. soon as yep. we feel anxious, let's hide yep. so that I don't get attacked by a predator. Right. But with this, it still has to do with safety. And I want to speak to this from my own personal experience is the reason I latched on to the thought of suicide is it made me feel more comfortable in all of the pain that I was experiencing. And here's why. Like I always have a way out. Suicide is easier. Mm. If things get too hard, which I'm terrified of, mm -hmm. I produce fear and anxiety be about that every day, mm -hmm. which I'm already experiencing, mm -hmm. which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. To decrease that stress, I thought about suicide. Chill out. If you wanted to end this pain, hit the quit button. I always have always that in escape. my pocket. I've always got that as a plan right? B. I'll yeah. continue to live life and deal with the bullshit until I can't anymore. Yeah. And so it's like your brain is creating that safety net that at the end of the day is not going to serve you positively, but it will serve you in the moment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> wow. it's going to take away that stress a little bit. Yeah. When you're laying in bed, I don't want to get up and work out or like try to find a job. That sucks. I could lay in here for 12 more hours because if I decide that I don't want to do those things, then I won't. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's a scary... And then that creates, it's all about habits. The brain is about habits, period, point blank, because the, the habit, the, it's survival, right? And yeah. so this can become a habit where the first time you ever have the thought, it's like, oh my gosh, no, I would never do that. But you've seen a lot of other people do it. And then yeah. what happens when they do it? The whole town pours out and there's a memorial service and there's outpouring of love. And if it's a teenager, it's become cool to jump on um, social media and just show all kind of love to this beautiful young girl, a, a bright light gone too soon. And just, I mean, everything yeah. lights up. And in, in a young person's world, social media is everything. Yeah. And, and so I'm, it becomes cool to show love and compassion to the, the ones that have lost. But guess what? Two weeks before that happened, that person wasn't even on your radar. You know, you weren't reaching out to them. You didn't even hardly know them. It's cool to say, oh, we were so close. Yeah. I've been that before. I've done that before. Yeah. Subconsciously, it might have been ego. You know, look how want to show people how look how sad it is that I spent so much time with this person. Yeah. And then they passed. Yeah. Right. But like you're saying, I didn't talk to that person for the past two to three years. Yeah. I wasn't connected to that person. Yeah. I didn't try to help actively. Now I'm trying to help when it's already too late. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we could talk about this stuff. <laughs> for a billion hours like we do. But what I really want to accomplish on this episode is what is the action plan when you're feeling this way? Mm, I like it. Because like we talked about, it's like the two things that people say are reach out for help, you know, have a good support group, right? But that's not always accessible. Mm -hmm. That's not always a possibility. Mm -hmm. We talk about isolation. That's a huge part of it. So what if you're isolated? 
And what if you don't have really good friends that you talk about deep stuff with? And what if you don't have a family that's constantly reaching out, checking on you, mm -hmm. right? So I wanna talk about the conversations that we had when I didn't want any advice, <laughs> right? When, yeah. I, when I didn't wanna hear anything. My life's too far gone, shut up. Yeah. I get it, I could work out every day, I could find purpose, right? Just try. I don't want to. I've already quit mentally, Yeah. right? But that persistence of those conversations yeah. led to something that I want to start with. Okay. So step number one, right. at least for me, and obviously this is, sure. this is our general timeline of what got me out of my rock bottom place. But you always drove this point home, and it has to do with acceptance, right? Constantly, we would talk about, I, it's hard for me to do things because I want to do this. Right? I want to commit. I don't want to play it, play the game anymore. Yeah. I'm telling you that frequently. Yeah. Right? And you're telling me to the point where we got to a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. Right? I could hear it in your tone. Mm -hmm. And that is, you have to accept the fact that you're not going to do this and you have to take the option off the table. What that means is you throw that safety thought of quitting, it's out. That's not an option. For me, I couldn't do that. The day that I wanted to do it, I couldn't do it because I loved my family too much. Yeah. I thought about all of the people that love me and the people that I would hurt for the rest of their lives. It's yeah. not like they hurt for a week no, and then they forever, forget. Forever, ever, ever. Yeah. You think about that every single day if I do that. Yeah. And I, I couldn't. That was the point that I realized do I want my legacy to be that I hurt everyone I loved for the rest of time? Yeah. No. Right? So step one, taking it off the table. Right? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I remember that was such a powerful <clears throat> moment. I remember where I was when we had that conversation. And we made... Now, I want you to... I want to give families hope. You know, it's not... I don't want you to say, man... You know, I can't have it like that. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I, I treasure um, the relationship that we get to have to help each other through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I want people to hear that that is possible. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I was on the phone pacing in the front yard. Probably looked so crazy to the neighbors. <laughs> the neighbors are like, I do because I, you know, I walk because yeah, I, I, I think better thing. when I walk. And we're having the most intense conversation probably of our lives, right? It's one of those. Yeah. One of those moments. Mm -hmm. And luckily, you're letting me in and allowing me in. I had somebody tell me yesterday um, that when I'm in this space and I want to do this, I want to quit, the last thing I want to do is give somebody an opportunity to talk me out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be, that's my option. I don't want you. So, I mean, that, it's, it's very hard to get to that point, but you would allow me to do that. But we had practiced it for so long since you were a little boy. We talked about all kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was the parent, but I was also the friend. There's a way you can, there's a battle about that. Am I a parent or am I a friend? Well, it depends on the situation. <laughs> you got to be both. And if we didn't have that, but I remember we made a pact and it was, it is not an option anymore. That's it. There's a lot of options on how to deal with this thing, 
but we've got to, yeah, there, there is no plan B. I've bricked up the back door. I've cut away the safety nets. I've yeah. get, any plan that involves me quitting is not an option anymore. And you've got to get, you've got to be stronger than your brain. It's a freaking organ. Mm -hmm. Like my heart, my liver, my lungs, my pancreas, my skin. These are organs. My organs don't get to call the shots. It's yeah. just doing what I've allowed it to do. It's, we're not involved in the conversation. And all of a sudden, the brain is running my life when he's supposed to run me. I mean, yeah. not supposed to run me. I run it. And so that was a monumental moment. And I was praying to God that, that you were serious, right. that it was like you were going to keep. We gave each other our word. Now, that's a you're a man of your word. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was a huge first step. And I know it sounds just simple as like, you know, take it off the table. But the other thing you said was, the way I, I translated is you had a big enough why yeah. to keep you mm -hmm. from successfully completing your plan yeah. <laughs> is what it is. And your why was family. Think about all the, the people out there in general, but also young ones that do not have that why because yeah. years of isolation years of techniques to keep people away, to avoid, resist, scare people off, has worked. And now you are alone. And people are like, man, what's the point? <laughs> you can't, you won't listen. You know, give them advice, you won't take it. And uh, the, the why is that? And I can, I can relate to that is, golly, the more times around the sun, the more you start thinking about your legacy. What are you going to leave behind for yeah. your loved ones? And, you know, I've talked openly about uh, my story, you know, with my father. Yeah. He just got to a place where he was so isolated and alcohol had just have ravaged him. And my dad was a loving man. I mean, some people say, God, and this is getting off into a rabbit. Um, you know, my dad never told me he loved me. Not the case with me. My dad told me, and most of the time when he would tell me, he would tear up. <laughs> it was love with emotion. Yeah. But then this alcohol thing, it just, it was this battle that he was in and he never ever kicked it and so my whole life it was part of the cycle and unfortunately when he got into that state he was angry so a lot of times with kids you know it's not the he's not present no a lot of times he is you know what i'm saying but he's not happy yeah. but then he would have moments where i love you i'm so proud of you well then why are you so mean all the time <laughs> why are you so mad well finally you know he got to the point where he just didn't want to be here anymore and um you know that drastically affected my life. Mm -hmm. So when you got to the point, I'm like, damn, <laughs> bookends. Yeah. I'm gonna lose you know, the one I came from and the one that I gave birth to. And I, I then, shoot, the, the thought, that obsessive thought, think about that loop in the brain. Now the brain kicks in and it's like, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, alarm, alarm, alarm. And you're just living in a state of panic. Um, and then <laughs> it gives birth to, well, if that happens, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> now you start tripping on that. Yeah. And so it's, it's so much deeper than just think positive. And I've had to deal, you know, and I have for 35 years wrestling with this complicated relationship with my dad. The hardest part for me is I wasn't there for him. Mm -hmm. We had gotten to such a fractured relationship that I didn't know where he was, what he was doing. I didn't go see him. We were mad. And you always yeah. think you have tomorrow, and that's a huge message. You might not. I mean, it's like, take, take it serious. But if you don't have that kind of relationship with your young person, start. <laughs> yeah. Start somehow, some way. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you talked about, 
like what happens if you don't have a why? And that is the hardest question to answer. How do you give someone a purpose? You can't. You can give people advice. You can give people support. You can check in, be there when they want to talk, right? You always say you can sit with them and not talk. Just be there, right? But my advice for someone without a why is it's very hard to do this thing that you think your brain can do. Try to do it. And that's not advice, but like your brain, it's so temporary, right? Those moments of the heaviest weight of the world where you want to do it, it goes away, okay? And for me, I wanted to do it so bad, you know? Like, <laughs> but I couldn't, and I realized how hard and scary it was. I'm over here on Reddit talking about like, what actually happens when we die? Have y'all tried this? I'm Googling, can you shoot yourself and miss and survive? Okay, these are things I'm looking up because now I'm terrified of the situation. Yeah. Right, and so my next step, like I said, once I took it off the table was, luckily I had a why and that why was big enough that it was my family. But if you don't have a why, you don't necessarily have to have it at that time. What you have to do is start to create some sort of plan for moving forward, right? And so they always talk, you know, reach out to someone. There are resources, mm -hmm. right? And I think these resources are amazing. But what the end goal is, is you find someone that may have dealt with what you're dealing with and is on the other side of it, and they're there to help you make a plan, right? Because the end, for me, the reason I wanted to is because I felt like my problems were unfixable and that I was going to live a life that I hated because I wasn't going to be able to solve these problems. Right. I, cr I created that constant thought, can't fix this. You were manic for like six months and screwed up your whole life. You have no money now. You're in debt that's going to increase. You don't have a job. What are you doing? Right? Pow, pow, pow. Mm. Atom bombs. Right? Every day. I couldn't sleep. My heart is beating. Anxiety. You don't have a job. You're paying rent. You don't have a job. You're going to lose, you know? Yeah. Every day to where that was my safety net. Right? Yeah. But what I committed to was maybe I'm dumb. Maybe everyone else is right. Maybe there is a way to start tackling this, okay? And what I want to say here is a lot of people get to this place of rock bottom and they start to realize that their way of living life doesn't Hasn't work. Hasn't worked. Yeah, my strategy. So that goes back to that point of acceptance is for me is I felt so smart, right? I knew everything. These people giving me advice, they don't get it. They don't know me. They don't know my thoughts. They don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. What I deal with is worse than anyone. It's all I know, yeah. right? You would always say, I bet there'd be millions of people that would trade their problems for yours, right? Yeah. But for me, I'm like, shut up. No, they would. They don't want to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. You try not, so you try being bi bipolar, unmedicated. Yeah. Right? You don't want that. Yeah. That's a curse, right? But once I accepted that my way doesn't work, I was actually open to advice. Mm 
I was open to get a diagnosis from a psychologist that has been doing this for years. Huge. For the first time, I was open to taking meds, right? I never trusted a doctor in my life, barely took Tylenol, yeah. right? All the FDA. You're creating demons. You want me to ruin my life, yeah. right? <laughs> Big pharma conspiracy. Exactly. But as soon as I got to the point where I was like, screw it, I'll try it. You're giving me away. What's the worst that could happen if it doesn't work? That I'm back here. I'm here where I'm right now. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's going to suck. It's going to be hard whether you're making progress or if you're staying stagnant. Both are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Both suck. Yeah, so yeah. Which suck do you want to embrace? Yeah. And I got to the point where I was like, screw it. I'll take this medicine that you say takes two months to kick in. We'll see. Maybe I get to come back to you and be like, guess what? Your weight, you're dumb. Yeah. I'm right again. But you set your alarm for two months. But I did. I committed. Yeah. So that was my plan, right? I'm going to take these meds. I'm going to work out every day, whether that's a 30 minute walk around the neighborhood, yeah. you know, doesn't have to be some grand plan, but I said that I was going to do it every day. Yeah. So even when I had the worst days of my life, I still took my medicine and I still worked out. Which was your first step, which is a huge one. It's like, take a step yep. and you know, big pharma and all that is a whole nother thing. Are there so many medications out there that are, you know, total BS? Sure. It's money. That doesn't mean all of them are. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, are absolutely imperative for people yeah. that have brains that happen to be wired, you know, exactly. like ours. And it's genetic. I think about my dad. They didn't diagnose things. I mean, yeah. very good possibility that, that he had bipolar at some level and boom, it hit me, hit you. So at some point you're like, okay, yeah, maybe I don't know everything. I'm willing to make a move. And, um, yeah. you know, because, you know, everybody's listening to all this stuff and, and it's like, yeah. make a move. And it, it doesn't have to be a huge move. You talked about bite-sized progress. It's like make a move. Walking around the neighborhood when you don't seem to want to leave the house is a heroic move. It might sound, sound like anything yeah. to people that, people look at folks and they're like, come on, man, just snap out of it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Shut the heck up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, and but that's a big move, but you made a move. And you remember how many times, <laughs> like every day for a long time is like win the day. Just win the day. Yeah. So we might be talking at 10 o'clock at night and it's been a horrible day and you got a million <laughs> reasons to just bag it. And it's like, I need you to make a move tonight that just gives you a W before you go to sleep. I don't care what it is. Read yeah. an article. Yeah. And you know, some nights, do some, do some push-ups. <laughs> I don't care. And some nights it was doing laundry, right? I did my laundry today. W, before you hit the side. Haven't done that in three months. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't scary. leave the house, so I wear two pairs of underwear, right? Yeah. And where do you keep them? They're, <laughs> they're, stood, the up, they're stood up in the corner over there. <laughs> Back, so. <laughs> the first beat we've heard from producer Mike. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's easier like, to store them that way. They stand up on their own. <laughs> but it's getting the W for the day, right? But it's also being able to count the W's. Mm. And I think that's, that's called a winning streak, a, dude. Just as important because no, no matter how much work you did put in for the day, it's so easy to go back to beating yourself down. Count the L's. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Oh, okay, sure, I went on a run today. But my mild time was like 9 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm so out of shape. I suck. I haven't worked out in forever. Look at how much I've declined. All of these thoughts are going to... Yep. But you have to count the dub. I haven't ran in six months. Today I ran. That's and incredible. How long? Well, some of it is the brain kind of <clears throat> normalizing and then moving on up the, the mountain again from the valley. Okay, so you just got to deal with it. Acceptance, use that word, is okay, this is a real thing. It is a part of my life. Mm -hmm. Right? And then somewhere along the way, you, you stack up enough W's to where you start to get some hope. Yeah. And it's like, yes, this is my life, but. I can win this, and maybe there is some sort of purpose in it. As human beings, we need to find purpose in the pain because otherwise quitting is the deal. It's like if the pain gets too intense, and pain is the deal, learning to live with pain. Pain is not the enemy. And so somewhere along the way, hope gives rise to courage, and then gratitude is the game. It's like I've talked about it, preached about it, is, is when the cursing becomes a ble the curse becomes a blessing. You know, when the thorn in the flesh becomes valuable yeah. and you treasure it. It's like I've said it a million times. For years and years and years, I would trade in a second. Give me a different brain. I don't like this. This is too hard. And then somewhere along the way, W, W, L, 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 W, 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 L, L, W, 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 L. And it's like you start getting some momentum in your life. And then I found out, and this was huge, it's, it's a blessing, dude. Because when I'm down deep, man, I, it's hard, but, but I find compassion and empathy yeah. in my pain there's always there's deep thoughts man there's i mean it's like it's it's important time i always say it man my work in the valley is going to be tested on the mountaintop because and, and also understanding accepting this is going to be hard but it always gets better like when we learn the cycle remember the second year you were into it i'm like second year is going to be easier than the first year yeah. and then the third year third year gets a little easier than the second as you're learning to master this brain that you have but then, man, on the mountaintop, I'm, I have most of my epiphanies. I'm terribly productive. I make huge moves that pay <laughs> off. And then when you get back into the valley season, it's like you've built something up there that now you can count on. Yeah. Um, and I think an important purpose... Right, if you're at this place where you're trying everything, but you still find yourself lacking purpose or why. A big purpose for me at that time was not quitting is my purpose. <laughs> if I live my whole life without quitting, I'm not a quitter. And it's a life lived, right? You only get one life. So even if it's a life full of pain and struggle, there's W's in the struggle all the time. And it's still, that's the purpose is you lived on this earth and you made an impact for your whole life. That's enough. Yeah. It doesn't have to be more. If you want to start there, start there. Yeah. My purpose for today is I'm not going to quit. Tomorrow, I'm not going to quit. Next day, I'm not going to quit. All of a sudden, I like, I like working out. I like hurting myself, you know, like in a good way. I like the pain. I haven't taught this in a while, which maybe I need to resurrect it, but in the prisons, um, the inmates loved it when I talked about SEAL training. Mm, yeah. And I called it games, goal setting, arousal control, 
um, mental rehearsal and self-talk. Mm -hmm. And so this was created by SEALs, you know, the program, because too many of the guys were, were quitting on Hell Week. And Hell Week was when they push you. You don't sleep. You don't eat. You're staying up. You're suffering for a week. And the underwater training was the one where they were losing most of the candidates because when you, you know, they, you waited and you get, you wait down to the bottom, you've got breathing apparatus on and you're blindfolded and you sit on the bottom of the pool. And then the instructors come in, swim down and violently rip off your breathing apparatus, tie it into a mess and put it next to you and blindfolded, you need to be able to control the arousal response and the panic where the brain thinks it's going to drown and you've got to put it back together. If you come up, you don't get to try again. You got to go ding, 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 read the bell, ring the bell, turn in your helmet and walk away. And they had to figure out a way, how do we get these guys to do it? So it was that. It was um, not, <laughs> I'm not going to quit. It's, I'm not going to quit before breakfast. I'm not going to quit before <laughs> lunchtime. Break it down in the little W's. I didn't quit. I'm, I'm probably going to quit at the end of the yeah. day. But I ain't quitting before dinner time, whatever it is. And, um, and then, you know, arousal control was learning to create, uh, uh, manage that stress chemistry response that the brain makes and to yeah. sit with it, whether it's breathing, whatever. Mental rehearsal is imagining the W. It's like, I'm going to get yeah, through gonna get this. Through I'm going to feel what it feels like when I'm quit. standing and I get that bad. You know what I'm saying? And then self-talk is the whole deal, is how do I talk to myself and, and run through it. I'm going I'm to yeah. start teaching this again. <laughs> and uh, it's a game, man. So we talked a lot about that. It's also in Protect the Dream, nice. which, you, <laughs> which you talk nice about. Like, I think it's also yeah. in Peace Behind the Wire in the new Convict Code, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. in a lot. Hey, I'm getting better. All right, so two things. As we kind of begin to wrap. Yeah, two things. I mean, one, I love that right it's like you talked about this immense pressure and fear and immediate terror which is how you feel when you're at rock bottom yeah they're they're creating that experience you don't see an end you're blindfolded you don't know how much time Ooh. you know but what you have to do is pick up that mask which is all tangled which is your life and your situation. <laughs> this is good. Right? Yeah. And untangle it while you're dealing with all of these thoughts and put that mask back on yeah. and survive. Yeah. Right? Which I think is so cool. But I did a cold plunge for the first time yesterday, like an actual one, like really? a $10,000 machine, okay. 40 degrees. And um, so I get in it and I try, I make it about like 15 seconds just cause I didn't like set a goal. I just wanted to feel what it felt like. Awful, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at the clock like I can't screw it. Yeah. But uh, I'm with JD and so I have like an accountability partner, right? And um, I look at him, I'm like, screw it. I'm not gonna just like, that wasn't enough. You know, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna do 30 seconds at least. Right? There was your little bite-sized goal. Right? So I get in there, and this time I'm way more mentally prepared. It sucks immediately. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, you know, I think it's cool because you're so present. <laughs> right? I'm not thinking about anything. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, not thinking about nothing. So I'm looking at the clock. I'm already dying. My brain every second is quick. Get out, get out, get out. This sucks. You can't take it. What's the point? Right? And I look up. It's only been 15 seconds. I can do 15 more seconds, right? So I'm sitting there. And JD goes, you're not, you're not stopping. Do a minute. Let's go, <laughs> let's go till it hits nine. Do a minute. And so I hear him say that, and I'm like, 
I don't have to quit. What am I doing? You know, yeah. sure, this sucks, but I'm not going to die. Yeah. Right? I'm going to hit a minute because when I get out of here after a minute, I'm going to feel like a man. Yeah. Like I did it. Yeah. Right? And I sat through that suck until a minute hit. And I got out in that feeling of fulfillment just to set a goal for yourself. It doesn't matter. No yeah. one cares that I did a no, minute. No, it's for cold. you. You got a big W, man. But I got out and I'm like, wasn't a p word today yeah yeah you know <laughs> i didn't enough. i didn't quit that yeah. was awesome for yeah. me and um yeah so that was and the brain learned something see you forced the brain <laughs> to do something that it didn't want to do you 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 made it get in line and you dominated and you won the battle with the brain that's the whole game is yeah. how many times can i do that and um, it's every day you're gonna it's have every single day mine was i won't tell the whole story but mine was a sweat lodge 160 <laughs> degrees yeah. and i mean i had a tribe of people please help me i can't get through round four they're like you're dying your eyes are rolling back <laughs> in your head yeah. you know i've got the medicine yeah, man saying if you leave you're disrespecting our ancestors and I'm like, <laughs> so i mean i'm talking about this was intense fire burning pain but it was a rite of passage for me it made me a different person you know yeah. what i'm saying an hour of that an hour is a lot an hour four fifteen. i don't even know medicine man oh, oh. and i'm just like get out get out get out i don't care about screw the ancestors yeah, i'm out and, I need to and it's survive. like, I survived it. And, uh, and I even asked him, you know, what if I die? It'll be a good death. I'm like, <laughs> really? That's not encouraging. Moment, All right, last total thought. And this is, we don't have time to, to really go into it, but it helps me when I'm in that place where I'm obsessed on, you know, a, a series of thoughts or outcomes, worst case scenarios. I have to go macro big. And so I go to the universe, man. And I start thinking about the 13.8 billion light years of time that the universe has been doing what it's doing and what was happening before it I'm, I'm, there's a there's a always eternity right and i think about the big and i think about the speck of time that is our life the 80 years or whatever we get and it helps put things in perspective as i can see our little ball of light that's in a <laughs> a spiral galaxy of 100 billion balls of light <laughs> and it takes 200 million years to make one revolution around the and there's a hundred billion of those spiral <laughs> galaxies and i'm like man it's not it just helps me perspective is huge it's like see go to the big and then it puts per problems in perspective and then that W you got when you didn't get out for a minute, we can build on that because the next time when you're in that space where it's like, I don't think I can minute, make it, you, you say, no, I can do very hard things. Remember mantras? Yeah, I can do very hard things. I can do very hard things. I can do very hard things. And you're making the brain get in line. Because you're already doing very hard things. You're doing it, man. Just surviving <laughs> yeah. another day. Let's, let's close with a, a bit of advice. I'll give one, you give one. To the family, who has the loved one suffering, don't know what to do, here's mine. And it was basically a scripture that changed my life. And, you know, it's, it's a foundational one. It's in Matthew 25. Jesus is talking. And he said, um, basically, to, to capsulize it, he's talking about what we call the least of these. And he says, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and the prisoner. And we think about the, the one under the bridge, you know, the one in rehab, the one on the corner, the one, you know, in whatever. Yeah, the one and in their room. He said, out of their room. yeah, there you go. He said, whatever you do for the least of these, that person is, is what you do for me. And so when, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. 
When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was sick, you came and attended to me. You know, when I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. But then he said, when I was in prison, you can't do that, man. <laughs> we cry on every episode. We do, man. Like, what, what, this is but this is cry. good right here. This is good to hear. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Thank you. Is you came to visit me. He didn't say you came to change me, counsel me, <laughs> train me, disciple me, rescue me. No, you came to visit me. And when someone is hungry, you know what I'm saying, for, for hope, and when they're thirsty from addiction, or when they're sick in their mind, or when they're naked, yeah. or they feel like a stranger, nobody understands me, when they're in the prison of their own mind, what does Jesus say? Go and visit with them. Shut up. Just go sit with them. You don't got to fix them. You don't got to say, here's what you got to do. It drives people further away. Yeah. So anyway, that... I just got to, I mean, that's so powerful, though. Because you used to say, you know... Changed me. You so then I went into prisons <laughs> and I visited yeah. with them. Well, I, uh, instead of giving my advice, I mean, I think that was absolutely amazing, right? Just be there for the people that are struggling. Like you say, you don't have to have some end goal and you don't have to have some no agenda. master plan. No. Just hang out, right? Show them that they are supported in a way. Uh, Mike, you said something before the podcast, actually, which I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, just from the perspective of what someone going through hard times and having these dark thoughts, like actually wants at the time. And I want to talk about the difference of what they actually want and what they think they want. Um, so that if you could speak to that and then I'll kind of like chime in and we can rapidly rap. So when people are having these suicidal thoughts and they want to end it all and they want to take their life, right? What is it that they actually want? Mm -hmm. You know, what are they trying to solve? And I'll, I'll say this because Cole said something that I thought was very significant to this question. And that is their problems are so heavy right? Whether it's job, friends, relationship, girlfriend just left you, boyfriend just left you, whatever it is, right? In that moment, your thinking is messed up because you feel messed up. Yeah. And so at every moment that you stay in that space, it's a difficult time for you to actually make a decision that when you make it, there is no coming back. In those situations, you feel so out of control. Your problems have control. You don't have any control. You can't do anything about it, right? You're paralyzed by these thoughts and the situation that you're in. Um, and so when someone tries to give you advice, you feel sometimes like they're trying to control you. You don't have a decision in this. Mm. You know, you can tell me that I don't need to do this, that there's more, but you don't get to influence me, right? And so that creates this isolation that we always talk about. Even if you are alone, yeah. even if you have a support group, you feel like your problems are the only thing that exists. No one else goes through them. It's just you. You can't relate. So many people don't talk about this that have these thoughts all the time. Because they don't want you to know. Mm -hmm. And they don't want you to have that control. They don't want you to, to worry and give you advice. They don't want it. They want to make these decisions on their own. So I want to say, I think this is what people do want. And this is what I wanted at the time. 
okay? I felt isolated. I lost my girlfriend and I lost my main group of friends in a way that I never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. And I felt alone, right? So what I wanted to deal with that deep down was I wanted a new support group. Mm -hmm. I wanted new friends. I didn't have friends at the time. Of course I had friends, no, but I not, get it. not people that I regularly talked to or plans that I had on the weekends. I didn't have nothing starting from ground zero. So deep down, you know, that's what I want. Well, I want to be alone. You know, I want to stay. I don't want to leave. I don't want to socialize. I'm depressed, right? But deep down, what I wanted was friends. What I wanted was to be invited to parties. Mm -hmm. What I wanted was a girlfriend, mm -hmm. right? What else I wanted was to find new coping mechanisms, right? I didn't know it was working. I had no solutions. I wanted solutions. But in that moment, you tell yourself that there are no solutions. Yeah. It's always the opposite, right? The dark thoughts are going to combat, right? The devil and the angel. The devil's going to say all the exact opposite things that the angel is saying, right? So what I wanted was new solutions. I'm not looking for them. I don't think they exist, but that's what I wanted. Yeah. And then lastly, I just wanted my problems to be fixed. But once again, I didn't know how to fix them. Mm -hmm. They seemed impossible to fix. <clears throat> how do I get out of debt? I don't have money like that. I spent all the money that I had, right? How do I get new friends? How do I find a job? How do I support these people that I love, right? I had no answers for that. But deep down, all of the answers do exist. You have to believe that they exist, and then you have to work toward it. Yeah. You got to make a plan and you got to, you just got to try because life always persists. Yeah. Always has. Yeah. Right. A meteor comes down, destroys all life on the planet, except for cells and amoebas mm -hmm. and life persists life and we starts come again. back. Right. So it's so funny to me that our brains these machines that are supposed to keep us alive <laughs> will put these thoughts in our head and plant these seeds that, that life doesn't work out, yeah. that everybody's committing suicide, that it's a thing now, that it's an epidemic and we live in a dark world and it's chaos and there's no hope. And there we go again. We're, you know? Yeah. But life always figures it out. Yeah. And so will you. It's not can you, you will. It's natural. It's so natural. It's natural. Life will find a way, and that is what it is. So, wow, great conversation. <laughs> Several things. You know, if you, family, if you're listening to this and you've got someone that you're worried about, um, understand the holidays are hard for people. So now's the time to be thinking of those, not just family, but friends that, that you haven't heard from that might, you know, need some encouragement. Don't try to fix them. Just yeah. love with no agenda. Visit with them. Sometimes that is enough, and then that person may feel safe. And then for those that are might be listening or watching that are in that space, man, it's like just start with desire. And if and if you don't feel it, say it till you do. I want to live. I want to live. Say it a hundred times today, if need be. Write it down. Put it on your wall. I want to live. I want to live. And you're beginning to get the brain to start a new cycle, a new loop. 
And then, you know, I know it sounds cheesy, but, you know, I mean, life is worth living. <laughs> this, this too shall pass, you know what I'm saying? And um, try to, there are people that care about you, man. So uh, love y'all. I hope you'll share this, man. There might be somebody that needs this. You might save a life by sharing this. No pressure. <laughs> but hit subscribe, man. Like this. Comment. Let us know, man. If, if this is you know resonating, then tell us what you think. Tell us what you might like to hear about. If you want resources, man, kitcummings.com. There's some books there for you. Powerpieceproject.com is our work to help young people get through these storms. So um, keep, yeah. keep running with us. I One o'clock on Monday. I want to say that too. Like, you know, on <clears throat> your page and Power of Peace, there's contact forms that mm -hmm. you can fill out. Mm -hmm. um, if you want help or you don't know who to talk to or you want advice or you just want someone to be there, hit us up on social media, right? Kit Cummings 88 on Instagram, Kit Cummings everywhere else. Like we will, we respond to the DMs. That's why we do this. We yeah. don't, we're not doing this for, it's whatever. We have a podcast, it's fun. But the main goal of this is to create content that can last forever, that can help people. Yeah. Right? Like. You know, that's, that's, this is not for clout. This is like, so that this video exists so that you can share it for someone that might yeah. need it. Yeah. So, um, cause I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. And doggone it. People like me. <laughs> I'm going old school SNL right there. <laughs> Stuart Smalley signing off. Nice. <laughs> Come back and see us. Nice. Love you. But see the, the soul has no identity. The ego does, right? The soul has gifts. And I had stumbled into my gift and got to do it, which is a real blessing. If you can find passion and bring it into your profession, it's not work anymore. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's purpose. You want passion in your life, find purpose in what you do. Be mindful. I don't care what it is. You know, find purpose in it. And it becomes a calling. Roots was an artist and nobody saw him. Like, did you hear that? Nobody saw him. All they saw was was the outside. They, they, they just saw the broken branch. They didn't see the beauty inside, which is the good stuff in every single one of us. And when I find out that you've got a story, like you've been through some stuff, the world might look less at you. In my book, it's like, no, my respect goes way up when I know you've been through some stuff. If I want to go into battle with somebody, you think I want some little cupcake youth pastor? No, no disrespect to you pastors. I'm just saying, I don't want that little soft. I want somebody who's been through some wars, man. Let's go. We ride together. You know what I'm saying? It was a, um, a branch in the top of a hundred-year-old oak tree, downtown Atlanta. And I don't know if it was a storm or if it was a lightning strike or an axe, but something brought this branch, knocked it out of its life purpose. And in the amount of time it took to fall from the sky to the ground, it became trash. Because that's what we do with broken branches. I mean, we live with, we got great big old oak trees, and I don't go out in the yard and go, a treasure, another one. You know, it's like, no, you just get them all piled up and you, you know, put them aside. And yet, so this is a nasty branch laying on the road. And everybody else saw trash, but not Roots. Roots saw it for what it could be, potential. It was the branch that would become an instrument of peace and a symbol of potential that would go on a world tour. Now, I lost my brother Roots on December 27th, uh, 2020.
and he had gotten a place and he had gotten a little job and he had gotten a scooter and on December 27, 2020, he was riding home on his scooter from his job and a drunk driver hit him and killed him. Now, what's interesting is my sobriety date is December 27, 2005. So we're forever connected. But then I got this and he has no idea the people he's inspired with his hustle, with his special gift. You have one too. 